Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannon. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, check us out at yesodblocks.com where you can get access to a lot more content for only $9.99. And in addition, your support by subscribing allows us to continue to spread and create this Torah and share it to bring more and more and more truth, light, and clarity to the world, healing a lot of the distortions of the Eitz Adas in the world of Torah knowledge and Torah learning. We're continuing with the halachos of Birchas HaTorah, Birchas HaTorah, and we're in Siman Mem Zion, still we're up to Halacha Vav right now. And in Halacha Vav, we are about to encounter kind of a new concept, and we've been talking about brachos a lot over the last few episodes, mainly because we're in the area of Birchas HaTorah, and also brachos really comprise a massive chunk of the toolkit that we use and that really fills the first section of the Shulchan Aruch of Orachayim, the daily area of Halacha. And the reason why is because uh, the first part of Shulchan Aruch is really filled with uh, ideas about tefillah, and tefillah itself is, while originally something that was really constructed individually by each person to create the internal consciousness alignment that tefillah is all about, uh, at some point as people started to forget exactly what the underlying principles of the Torah even are, all the deep things that we discuss here, we call machshava and kabbalah today in the language that we're using in this series and in the larger culture. So that's actually just the underlying Torah Shabal concepts that the Torah was originally uh, transmitted with. And so when Moshe was was in this one-on-one uh, uh, full download bonding experience with Hashem for 40 days, uh, an experience that it seems like maybe even all the people, if they would have been up for it, could have participated in in the story of Harasinai, the story in Parshas Yisro, and you can check out our episode about that uh, at yesodblocks.com in the Chumash cast. So it sounds like really all the people could have actually been involved in this process, but unfortunately they all bailed uh, because they were extraordinarily uh, shocked at the intensity and immensity of Hashem's presence when there was this mass nevuah uh, at Har Sinai where everybody basically got exposed to Hashem's self and suddenly realized that their own self was actually just a sub, uh, a microcosm of that larger self in existence. And so the uh, the the original process that of how things were supposed to be, Moshe basically received all this information about what the Torah means, not just the Torah Shabbat Sav, the actual words of the Torah, but what those things mean. Just like whenever a person speaks, when I speak now, so your job is not just to record the words that I say and say, oh, well, you said this, you said that. Your job is to track all the words I say, just like you do when you listen to one sentence. You know, if, when a person says a sentence, when I speak a sentence, so I say lots of words in a row, and you can't just listen to one or two of those words, you have to listen to the entire sentence and then access the meaning of the sentence. And that's true on a paragraph level, it's true on a conversational level. You have to listen to all the things that I say, or that anyone says, in a a linear way, because words are inherently linear, which is very limiting, but it's just the way that they are. And then what you have to do is you have to try to access the meaning that is inside me through the words. And if you fail to do that, if you just listen to only the words on the surface level, and then you just interpolate your own ideas of what of what you associate with those words, then you're not really listening. You're not really trying to get to to the to the me that is trying to be shared through this linear compressed form uh, that the words actually are. And so that's uh, that's essentially what the Torah Shabbat Torah Shabbat relationship is, and all these underlying truths, all these, these underlying ideas were shared and were 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 known and learned for a very long time. People sometimes ask me, like, uh, you know, all the Kabbalah ideas, the Zohar, the Arizal, were all these ideas shared at Har Sinai? 
I mean, maybe some of the terminologies that Rizal employs, which are a little bit, uh, you know, kind of new compared to the people that wrote before him in the in the world of what we call Kabbalah. But on the Torah level, the, all the ideas, the maps that he that he presents, it's not about the words that he uses. He uses those words to try to convey ideas that are that have been lost to people and to allow people to access them more and more fully. Uh, just like you know, using scientific language allows us to access science as opposed to just talking about um, scientific concepts in a, in layman's terms. So we have language that is that is specific and def, and defined and definitional for areas of complexity because it's what allows us to access them more fully. And so the Arizal and all these other, uh, the Zohar itself, all these other, all these other uh, Kabbalah writings that we have, so they're simply articulating things that were known then. And that's why I like to always point out that the ideas that are in the Zohar, the ideas that are in the Kabbalah writer uh, 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 writings, so they are the same. When we have a Medrash that Rashi quotes on the Chumash that says that Hashem ripped open the seven layers of the heavens and the earth or something like that, where you know the neshama of of the, the, the neshamos of all the people fluttered away and, and and when they encountered Hashem's presence in this revealed form. I mean, these are all ideas that are in the Medrash Rabbah that are exactly the same concepts. I mean, what exactly does that mean? That there are these layers of existence that, that Hashem ripped open and they suddenly they saw from top to bottom. There's there's literally thousands of Midrashim like that and, and statements in the Gemara and the Agatha that are exactly the same as that and are expressing the same concepts in different language. And it's because these ideas are all there underneath. And that's because when we what we've unfortunately created, uh, and this is really what Yisod Blocks is about dealing with, uh, we've unfortunately created a situation where a lot of the Torah uh, in its underlying mechanics is simply lost to people. They've never even heard of a lot of these things, and all they've heard of is just random halachos that they've taught how to do things, and if you're more observant then you learn Gemara and you learn halacha and you learn some Chumash so you can say a Dvar Torah, on Shabbos at the Shabbos table, but not really much more than that. And there's this whole world of Torah that is simply not accessed. And it, that it would be fine if people, you know, people sometimes say, "Well, I don't need to know these things because I just I'm not ready for the for the the deep side. I'm not old enough to learn those things yet. I need to first learn halacha. I need to first learn Gemara." And I think that's very true. I, I personally followed that exact path. But the question is, what are you doing in the meantime besides that? Because uh, unfortunately, uh, there's nature abhors a vacuum. There cannot be a vacuum in your mind. And if you have, uh, if you're learning Torah on a, on a practical halacha and Gemara learning level, your mind and your thoughts, depending on where you come from and your upbringing, you will simply fill in the holes that are inside of your mind in terms of how these things work and what they mean with your own ideas or with ideas that are simply insufficient that come from your natural environment, your the things you've heard people say, the things that you've seen in your upbringing, the things that you get from the mainstream culture, and then you simply develop a set of perspectives about Torah that is a function not of the Torah itself, but of your own uh, hodgepodge collection uh, of ideas that simply came from wherever. I mean, there's no really no real way to assess where they came from, which is why. One of the Gemara's first questions in any sugya is always minahani mili. Where do we know this from? In other words, you have to always ask yourself that question. Where do you know what you know from? How do you know that things are the way that you think they are? Do you know it from the Torah? Or do you know it from some random place that you can't even pinpoint anymore? And so that's uh, not a small problem. And it's really, it's a function of das tovara that the das makes our minds very, very, um, uh, we'll say it, not just easily influenced, but simply they our minds tend to, towards things that we are attracted to for our own personal subjective reasons. And then we simply incorporate them into this very mixed bag of perspectives. And so 
that's uh, that's essentially the 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 way that these brachos are designed is they're they're simply trying to fill in for the lost knowledge that we unfortunately don't even remember anymore that we've lost. It's what's called a double layer of hester, hester, hester panim, where not only have we lost this, we've actually we, we we've lost the sense of loss, so we don't even know there's something missing. And that's essentially what these brachos come in as as tools that Chazal added to help us reaccess these mechanics and these these uh, these these underlying truths so we can really live them. And so in this particular halacha, we have what it says here is there's essentially a, a, a principle of something called hefseik, uh, where basically we say brachos sometimes in a, in, a, in a linked series where there's then an accumulation of the bracha dynamic over a series of different events or series of different situations. And so I'll just read the halacha first. It says, halacha vav, omer v'harev im vav. The second bracha of Birchos HaTorah, we already mentioned in previous episodes, the first bracha is La'asok um, B'divrei Torah, which basically is a standard Birchas mitzvah, a bracha that takes a, a, a mitzvah, an action that we do that is that is essentially a Hashem-sourced action, where now we can actually experience ourselves as an aspect of Hashem, because a mitzvah means a groupifier, it means essentially an action that makes us part of a team, uh, and, and we're now participating in a in a in a larger story beyond ourselves, and so the language of Asher Kitchen Torah means that now we're doing we're fulfilling this mitzvah to now get involved, in other words, to immerse ourselves uh, in the words of Torah, and so we're now trying to connect our Torah learning to its root to Hashem, just like every bracha really connects. Uh, a particular action to Hashem so that we have the context of Hashem's presence uh, within our actions, which is, again, the whole point of a lot of these Torah uh, tools that are practical uh, or verbally practical in the case of brachos is to return our awareness of Hashem's presence within ourselves because that presence is lost to us to a great degree or at least vastly reduced. Uh, it's kind of just there lurking in the background because we don't see it anymore simply because our perceptual framework now is a function of our own preferences as opposed to a function of truth and knowledge. And so that's that, that's what the bracha is supposed to do. And then we have this next bracha, which is the bracha v'ha'arevna. We discussed this bracha more extensively in its own episode about three episodes ago and uh, the the concept the, the language of this bracha is about not only do we want to now immerse ourselves in Torah and connect that Torah experience to Hashem we want to actually begin to recognize that this Torah is something which we want because it is we, we want to want what is we want to learn what is and then want it and that's something which we all struggle with again for the same reason we evaluate the world far more often with through the lens of familiarity and preference. That is literally the definition of the Eitzadas Tovara. And the tendency to do that is something which then leads us to a situation where we actually feel, think about it as an example, you, when you do things that are uncomfortable for you, they feel wrong. You say, this doesn't feel right. I, I want to I do things that feel right. And then we try to, we, we revert to things that are more comfortable. And the irony is those are not things that are actually more right. It's simply since we're used to doing them that way, so from a place of preference, we perceive that which is more comfortable as inherently more right for us to be doing. And that is not the case. The the, the evaluation of a, of a particular set of actions through the lens of whether or not it feels good to you, feels like feels like it's, pref, it's preferential, uh, it's preferred by you, 
that is not based on, a, on an actual true way of looking at the world. It's simply you deciding to do things based on how you feel and based on preference. And it doesn't mean you need to just squelch that all the time because you can't fight your das tovara uh, um, distortion head on necessarily because that can actually cause damage sometimes. So you can take it into account, but to not be aware that it is fundamentally a distortion, that is a real issue that can actually undermine your development, evolution, fundamentally your satisfaction with your life. And so... That's what we, the second bracha is all about, wanting what is. It's Baharevna, make us meld, make us lo- feel the sweetness of Torah. And that's like sweetness here means that which is easy for you to appreciate. It's something which you, you naturally want it because it's sweet. That's the definition of something which is sweet. And so that's the second bracha is all about wanting what is uh, from a place of, of this is actually, I, I yearn for truth. I yearn for clarity. I don't just want what I already think. I don't just want what I already feel is the way the world is. I want to actually learn more and constantly develop further and further to see more and more truly what is going on. And so now there's this extra detail here, uh, which is there's a bridge point between the first and second bracha, the bracha of Lasuk with the Torah and the bracha of Vaharevna. So here the Shulchan Aruch writes the following. Oh, in Halacha Vav, this is the sixth Halacha in Siman Mem Zayin, section 46. Omer Vehaarev Im Vav. A person should say the word Vehaarevna, when you start the second Racha, you don't say Haarevna, you say Vehaarevna, and the Vehaarevna is this uh, this idea of adding on the, uh, the, the we're, basically, we're basically continuing the first Racha into the second Racha, and he says, and then we have also the Ashkenazi opinion, Haga Biesh Omrim Belovav. There are those who say this without saying above, Mechei Nagu, and this is actually the custom that he quotes. When he says, Avayoser Tov Lomar Bevav, but it's actually better to say it with a Vav. And the idea here is that we want this continuity in the brachos, because uh, the idea is that it's really one long bracha. And if you look in the Mishnah Brewer here, he writes that he says, Vav, uh, this is in Sif Katan Yudalef, the, the Mishnah Brewer section uh, 11, the bracha achasi, this is actually really one bracha. For if this was actually its own separate bracha, it would have started with the same catchphrase of Baruch Hashem. So the fact that it didn't start that way uh, is that um, it shows that it's actually it's connected to the first bracha. And there's a second opinion here, which is that it's actually its own separate bracha. Um, but either way, the idea here is that if it's one bracha, so then we want the we want to look at this uh perceptually as this is actually one dynamic, right? Think about what that means. When you learn something like this in halacha, here's the way to think about it. You have to think, why would it matter whether or not this is actually one bracha or not? Well, it depends on how you view the process that the brachos are referring to. So there's really two ways to look at it. There is the regular idea of brachos that are connected because we want to have accumulated consciousness of Hashem. So all the brachos we said in earlier episodes, birchos hashachar, so we basically said, well, you say a bracha about um, your your awareness that there are dif- distinctions and differences in the world. You say a bracha about how Hashem stands your body straight. You say a bracha that Hashem has allowed you to see again. You say a bracha that Hashem has made the earth uh, firm beneath your feet. And what you're doing is you're taking individual experiences and you're now accumulating consciousness of Hashem through those different experiences. Here, you also could suggest the same thing is happening. There's actually this, this uh, bridging of all these brachos together and that this, you're, what you're doing is you're basically saying, okay, first I want to see Hashem through my basic uh, in, involvement with Torah. Then I want to start to see Hashem through the development of my of my actual interest in truth and what is and loving that which is the truth of that existence. And then the final bracha, which is about seeing that we are actually we are chosen for a particular purpose and that we are a certain level of receptivity or that we're supposed to be when learning Torah, being receptive to Hashem's self at a very intense uh, level of empathic receiving and listening. And that's the third bracha. So here. 
what the Mishnah Brura and what the Shulchan Aruch seem like they're pushing, and what the Ramah seems like he's he's stating as well, is that it's better to say Veha because this is actually just one long bracha. The Lasa with the Vei Torah going through to the end of Melamei Torah Lamo Yisrael appears to be one long bracha, and conceptually you could think about well why would that be? And again, th- there's many different ways you could evaluate this. If you if you're learning halacha, you can evaluate it from a few different angles. But what I would suggest in terms of how to think about halacha and how to think about the deep ideas of machshava and kabbalah underneath halacha is that you should be able to access all of these thoughts when you have the cascade of thoughts when you say these words. In other words, you should think to yourself, it is a natural progression that when a person involves themselves in learning Torah, over time they will begin to have an affinity for Torah more and more intensely. And then what that ultimately will lead to is that you actually will, number one, feel comfortable in the Torah from a das tovara place. You'll have shifted your preferences from feeling comfortable, I don't know, watching television or something, uh, to feeling comfortable learning Gemara and constantly expanding and challenging your mind with these things. Uh, and and then after that, the next, the next stage of that, which will also simply through the natural progression take place, is you'll actually start to love these things and want more and more to to know the truth about existence and to always look for depth and clarity in every interaction that's something which in today's world we have a very big uh, a big dearth of that kind of dynamic there's all this you know all this tension and we're in the middle of this pandemic and there's all this confusion and and everyone is arguing no this is the right thing no this is the right thing you're you're so so crazy that you think that other thing that is different than what i think and people feel as if they're in this new environment where suddenly other people are all crazy but that is actually the natural history for forever has been that we that we struggle to actually perceive the world through other people's lenses and it's simply differences of opinion as it has always been but suddenly today because of the tension and the intensity of what's going on, people are simply falling back on these primitive perspectives, whereas there used to be a much more pluralistic understanding that everybody's perspective needs to be understood carefully. doesn't mean that it has to be agreed with, but it has to be understood. And the Torah approaches that exact approach. It says, okay, there is chesed and gvura. There are people who are more fixed on standards and rules and people who are, are more fixed on, on freedom and, and sharing. And these things have to be weighed against each other constantly because they are intention and then you have to analyze those things carefully and look through them. And you're only going to be able to do that if you care more about what's true than you care about what you think. And that's something which is exactly the point that we're making here. The, lear- the Learning to love the Torah it means learning to love truth. And, and the, the, the dedication to truth, the Nasev and Ishma dynamic of, the, of that is to say, I care more about what the Torah says than I care about what I think. If you're in a situation where you're now talking to somebody about something which in your mind is not related to Torah, then what you're now doing is you're creating a little bubble where the Torah is not relevant and you're now operating through your own preferences. And that should never be the case if you really, really love truth and also if you really want to actually get somewhere productive in your discussion because unfortunately the world of preference is not getting is not going to get us very far it never has it is literally the source of all war and all strife between people and it is something which only feels good because we feel validated we feel somehow oh i i I know that i'm right i'm saying things that are true and so this this progression of learning torah from just starting to learn it and then experiencing it from a place of affinity is actually the key to healing the world which is why all these deep concepts are essentially what Yasod Blocks is all about, is trying to bring this to the world. We're bringing it to market. We're trying to bring this to the world so that way we can actually finally be done 
with this game, the game of constantly just justifying and explaining and arguing, but really, ultimately, there's not really an interest in truth. There's simply too many interests in each person's individual agendas, and that just creates more and more subjectivity and more and more polarization, and then things just stagnate and stagnate and stagnate. And there are ways to fix things, but it, needs, it requires this level of involvement uh, in the truth-seeking process, and that's really what, what is you know the set of thoughts that you can access when saying these brachos is exactly the thoughts that should drive you. Then when you're living your regular life, you now have those thoughts more deeply implanted in your mind. You can actually access them and, and bring Torah to every sec- sector of your of your being instead of sort of having these, these um, compartment, compartmentalizing dynamics where there's Torah here, but not there. And well, this is, a, but th- in this situation, I can't, I don't even think about that. I know what I think already. My opinions about this area are, I, I'm, I'm a liberal, so that's just all that matters. And these, these pockets of distortion they only act to, they only serve to, to, to just damage uh, the, the progression of existence and really the progression that is embodied in these brachos and in this very simple halacha of just the second bracha is connected to the first, uh, first bracha. So we'll stop with that. We'll continue with the next halacha in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks so much for tuning in and looking forward to having you join me in the next episode.